thanks be to God for you faithfully entering into one of the strangest holy weeks that we could ever have imagined. Bless you, and may the words of my mouth be words that bring you life. May these words be the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, Palm Sunday begins with such hope. All those hosannas, the crowd cheering Jesus as he enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And just a note of explanation, riding the donkey was a symbolic gesture that recalled the entrance of kings into their rightful domain. We read about Solomon doing this on the day of his inauguration. Kings of Israel chose the practical conveyance of a donkey. They did not arrive in chariots or seated on war horses who probably spooked easily and stamped their hooves at inconvenient times. I suppose the modern equivalent would be a world leader being chauffeured in a Mercedes, not arriving in a tank. Jesus was the son of David, the rightful king, and he rode a donkey to make his peaceful entrance into the city that his heavenly father had given him. And briefly, the crowd gets it right. Hosanna to the son of David, they cry. But so quickly, the mood changes from enthusiasm and hope to false accusation, to cynicism and mocking. Save yourself. And then into violence, scourging, and the crucifixion itself. The king of peace is violently executed and placed in a tomb. The Lord of life is lifeless. The liturgy quickly tips us into what seems to be a catastrophic downward spiral. Note, I say, it seems. More on that later. We, as the followers of Jesus, enter that dark place of mourning and uncertainty, waiting for good news. It is bleak. This year, because we're in the middle of the coronavirus, it feels particularly bleak. We're living in uncertainty and discouragement. We also wait to hear good news. You know, I probably should not say this, but sometimes I've privately objected to having the passion be the focus of Palm Sunday because it means that we put Jesus in the tomb too early. After all, he didn't die until Good Friday, which is five days from now. The church makes us live with Jesus in a tomb for seven days while our merciful Heavenly Father only made his disciples wait three days because on the third day, Jesus rose from the grave and turned all that bad news into good. But maybe this year I can appreciate the need to have the waiting time be long because that's how it feels when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Here is my question. What does Holy Week teach us about living faithfully 
in the midst of uncertainty and loss for a long time. I'm going to focus on three things. The first thing, life goes on. In the midst of times like these, it's easy to become overcome by the great energy-sucking force of bad news. Perhaps you are out of work, or maybe you had plans of accomplishing something important this spring that's no longer possible. Maybe a performance or playing in a sports team. It's all come to a grinding halt. And it's so easy to give in to nothing that I do matters anymore. But we must not abandon ourselves to the great lie that our actions, however limited they may appear right now, are futile. Life in all its God-created and breathed goodness goes on all around us. The opportunity to affirm that is within our reach. Howard Thurman, marvelous lover of God, scholar and preacher, wrote about faithful living in the midst of the destruction of World War II. He says this, During these turbulent times, we must remind ourselves repeatedly that life goes on. It is just as important as ever to attend to the little graces by which the dignity of our lives is maintained and sustained. Paying attention to these little graces, as he calls them, is a kind of resistance. A resistance against the great deception of hopelessness and cynicism. So, write the thank you note you haven't written yet. Set your table. Yes, sing. Yes, greet your neighbor, if from a distance. Yes, notice the shining stars and the birds. Yes, say the kindly word that will encourage another's heart. Life must go on, and we must affirm and participate in the sweet goodness of life in whatever ways we can. There's an account of this very thing, attending to the living in the midst of dire circumstances, recorded in the Gospel of the Passion. Each of the four Gospels refers to one of the disciples cutting off the ear of one of the high priest's servants during the arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Gospel of John reveals that the disciple is Peter and that the servant who lost his ear is Malchus. In the Gospel of Luke, we find another significant detail, probably because Luke was a physician and was interested in this sort of thing. He says, Jesus touched the servant's ear and healed him. I've always been struck by that. But now all the more. Just imagine, Jesus is being arrested by thugs, going to his certain death, his disciples are reacting terribly. Think of the rush and the confusion, and yet Jesus takes a moment to heal the ear of one member of the angry mob. 
What an extraordinary focus of his energy at such a moment of peril. Jesus' focus on this single act of mercy makes me think of countless healthcare workers in the middle of coronavirus, going about all the details of caring for all sorts of conditions, preparing surgical tools for hip replacements, providing rehab to elderly patients, assisting mothers who are giving birth to babies, ministering compassionately for the dying. Life goes on. And our embracing that is an affirmation of God's goodness, as Thurman puts it, of the great and permanent strength of the clean and the commonplace. So the first thing is to remember that life goes on. The second is to be frank about the existence of evil, but not to fear it. We cannot afford to be naive about evil. As I'm sure you all remember, we spend quite a bit of time renouncing it in our baptismal vows, and that is not wasted breath. As we all read through the Passion, I'm sure we were once again made deeply uncomfortable by seeing those terrible words, crucify him, and we have no king but Caesar. Evil breeds in a climate of fear. It strategically scatters the people of God. And evil fosters hate with lies. It also seeks to legitimate itself. We notice the trial of Jesus. It's sort of okay to hate Jesus once he's been condemned in a trial. Thurman, once again, writing about evil in the context of World War II, says, There is every need to understand what it does, how it operates in the world, and what it does to sustain itself. It would be naive to think that the stress that this disease puts on societies globally will not result in fear. And as God's people, we must resist that fear and defensive hate which it produces. We cannot let these things live inside us. One of the ways that we resist is by attending to the good that is within our reach. So first, we must receive the simple goodness that is close at hand. Second, we remain aware of evil, but we do not fear it. We resist it. And finally, I'm going to do something totally liturgically illegal. I might get defrocked. We focus our spiritual binoculars on next Sunday to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, how can I do that? Jesus rose bodily from the grave. That whole apparent downward spiral from Palm Sunday to crucifixion, well, it only appeared downward. It all worked exactly opposite of what it seemed. Jesus is the Lord of life. He came to bring peace riding on that donkey, and that is exactly what he achieved. Not, of course, in a conventional way of reasonable negotiation. 
He brought peace by receiving on himself the judgment that we deserve. And so his great obedient descent from bliss in heaven into human form, into the hands of guards, onto a cross, and into a tomb, resulted not in eternal death, but in life. To be clear, I am not just being symbolic here. I am being absolutely literal. All of his actions ultimately bring life. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Because of his abandonment, we will never be abandoned. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not coronavirus, not a collapsing stock market, not even being confined to our homes with our families for weeks on end. Not even death. So this Holy Week, this especially long Holy Week, remember that life goes on. Resist evil and rejoice in the obedient work of our Savior, Jesus Christ.